back to Two Trees in a Pod with Alyssa and Sam, where we talk about all things life and relationships and tie it all back to faith. Today, we are excited to talk about happiness versus joy and why they are not the same thing. Let's get into it. So I thought for this episode, it might be fun to start with comparing a time we were happy personally to a time we felt joy. So Sam, would you like to start? Sure. Um, A moment, you know, there's plenty of happy moments throughout every day. I'm sure that you, like everyone else, these brief moments of happiness. Um, I always feel happy when we go to a nice dinner or at an amusement park or even if we're just watching Netflix. There's a bunch of little moments of happiness scattered throughout the day, but I think these brief moments of happiness are just a lot different than kind of an overwhelming sense of joy. Uh, The most recent time I felt that sort of otherworldly, out of body kind of joy was (laughs) all within a 24-hour time span of when I got baptized this summer and I proposed the very next day. That entire, it was something I'd always wanted with my life. It's some, this joy, I just, this pure heavenly joy of, yes, this is, you know, this is something far greater than just happiness that I can find from some activity. How about you, Alyssa? What what are, you know, your happy and joyful moments as of late? Well, hmm, let me think. I was happy when I got into grad school. That was like a relief because even though I committed to play volleyball, I was worried about actually getting admitted to the program. Um, what else? I'm happy that you decided to cook dinner tonight instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't have to cook dinner. Um, Not that I really ever do, but it brings me great happiness when you do it (laughs) instead of me. You're happy all the time, huh? Yes, so I am happy every (laughs) single day because of that. Um, But a time that I felt joy was when you were baptized. And not to like use the same example, but I do think that was like one of the last like most recent, not last moment, I'll have to feel joy, but the most recent moment I've felt such extreme levels of joy. And obviously when you propose, but like when you were baptized, that was like years of prayers being answered, like behind the scenes prayers. And it was just like, I could feel heaven rejoicing with me and it was like true holy joy. And it was just one of the happiest moments of my life. I guess most joyful moment to stick with the true terminology of the episode. So that kind of leads into you might be happy about something. What's different from the happiness? You know, you were happy I was baptized. What's the difference between that and the joy that you felt? How do you explain that difference? Well, happiness is awesome. It's a great emotion. It's a great feeling, but we can feel happy from so many things. And I think the term that I'm using here is we can feel happy. Happiness is just a feeling. It's not really anything more than an emotion, right? Joy is something more than that. It's more of like a state of being compared to an emotion. Um, It is a long lasting state of being, be that. So happiness 
I think you might have noticed in the examples that we gave of times we were happy are short little bursts of time, tiny little moments, and they're fleeting. Joy, however, is when something happens that is more on the long-term side of things, where uh, Sam was baptized. That's an eternal type of joy, because the whole point of that is now you are going to be you have access to the afterlife with Christ and like you've accepted the Holy Spirit. And that's more than just a a moment, which is fleeting. Or when you proposed to me, we were committing publicly to marry each other. And that's not a short fleeting moment. I get to wear my ring every single day and call you my fiance. And then eventually I'll feel joy again when we officially legally become married. So Joy is also something that is promised by God. Happiness isn't promised by God. So I think that's also important to note in this little opener. So I don't know, Sam, do you have any final opening thoughts before we dive into the meat of the episode? Uh, That pretty much sums it up. There is, I mean, it doesn't sum it up, but that's a great way to open up happiness versus joy. So there are some pretty good comparisons that I found on compassioninternational.org and they're a pretty awesome nonprofit charity where you can basically sponsor a child's education and basic needs, right? And their whole article on this was basically encouraging people to do things for others, aka sponsor a child, but um I really liked the comparisons that they made. So I thought we could kind of go through some of them and touch on them, discuss. So that's just our little opener to this segment. Joy is in the heart. Happiness is on the face. Joy is on the heart. In the heart, happiness is on the face. So I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in our intro about how happiness is a feeling. It is an emotion. Joy is almost like a part of you. It's within you and it's not something that can just be lost because the moment is difficult or because you're not having a good day. Happiness, you're either happy or you're something else, right? Joy doesn't leave. So I guess that's kind of what I think of when I think of that point. Yeah, there's a really good comparison there. Joy transcends, happiness reacts. You feel happy when something good happens. Um, maybe you saw a cat. Maybe you had a great <laughs> That's day. when you're happy. <laughs> you, you feel this moment of happiness. You're reacting to something that you perceive as good around you. Joy, joy transcends all of that. Joy transcends the circumstance you're in. Joy is that state of being. You are joyful. You are just at peace because you know that this is what's meant to be. Absolutely. And going off of that, joy is of the soul and happiness is of the moment. And I think this sounds just like what you were talking about, Sam. Like, it's a reaction. It's a reaction to the moment that you're in. And it's a positive reaction, but that's what it is. It's just a reaction. It's not necessarily something you have control over. I don't really think that the times that I've felt happy, I've been like, oh, this is happening, I'm going to be happy right now, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, think about that, that happiness, it's fully dependent on these external circumstances. Mm. It's, 
it's fleeting. There's no, you can't sustain it because it's based on events that you perceive as good. So what that basically means is not to be, you know, bad, but happiness ends, or at least that moment, moment, Mom- that moment, momental, <laughs> that momentary, I think momentary, is the word you're looking it. for. That, that momentary happiness, it's just there. It's momentary. It's not everlasting. Absolutely. I also liked how the article identified that joy is a choice. So joy is a practice and a behavior. It's deliberate and intentional. Where on the other hand, happiness, it comes and it goes without this sense of choice. So kind of what I was starting to touch on with the last point is that when you feel happiness, it's not because you are actively deciding to be happy. It is because, like Sam said, you are reacting. Something happened and now you are happy. It's the same where something happens and then you feel sad or then you feel frustrated or then you feel uh, annoyed. It's just a feeling. And then joy is a practice. I like how it says practice because nobody's ever going to be perfectly joyful on earth, right? Um, but you feel joy. If you've got that holy joy in your heart, you feel that in all types of moments. It is not just in the quote, happy unquote moments. It's something sad is happening or you're not having a good day, but you still have that holy joy in your heart to where these instances that are unfortunate that you might be in, they don't pile up and they don't overcome you because you've got that holy joy. Yeah. So, yeah. A person pursues happiness, but chooses joy. Absolutely. I like that one too. Like happiness. I think the pursuit of happiness is something great to talk about in the next one, the next little segment we have too, but like the pursuit of happiness, you're constantly chasing it, right? You never, tr- like you can't really catch it. You can catch like little tiny glimpses of it and moments of it, but then something always happens after, right? Like the times that I think that I've been happy, like, I don't know, say we go out to dinner or something and then we're on the road home and then like traffic or whatever, you know, like other things happen that can kind of make you feel not super happy. And it's not that you don't feel like positive things in those instances. You might just feel neutral, but like it's not pure happiness and joy is kind of taking that situation it's like oh i'm so grateful we were able to go get dinner oh i'm so grateful that our car is driving right now and it's getting us home safely and that everything's okay so even though happiness was at dinner and a little bit of anger or sadness was in traffic throughout the entire time you have joy joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose There's no comparison for happiness here, but I just love that statement. Joy endures hardship and connects with meaning and purpose. When you are experiencing like a profound hardship or even a small hardship, you are not happy, right? (laughs) Like you're not happy. Like think about a time where you've experienced a hardship. I don't think happy would be the first emotion that come to mind when you're describing your mental state right but you're not 
if you have joy, you're not permanently feeling those negative feelings because you have this, this, this peace because of the Holy Spirit. So I think the final one that we wanted to touch on was joy doesn't need a smile to exist because it persists even in difficult times. So we'll just leave it there. If you want to check out the compassion article, I can link it in the bio of our episode. If I remember to do that, <laughs> I will. So happiness is entirely dependent on external factors and is fleeting. You cannot hold on to it. It ends. To be joyful, however, is a choice. It is an eternal feeling that does not go away because God put it in you. It is God-given. The world cannot take away your joy because it is something that is a gift from your creator. On that note, back to your pursuit of happiness comment, Sam. We thought we would dive into Ecclesiastes because if you are familiar with this book in the Bible, the word that is coming to your mind right now is meaningless. (laughs) Um, Basically, um, Solomon wrote it after Proverbs. And for those of you who may not be unfamiliar with Solomon, he's the son of King David. Uh, He built the first temple in Jerusalem. Um, And he is known as the wisest man to have ever lived, obviously, except for Jesus Christ himself. But we're talking about men. We're not talking about God. Um, And he got this wisdom because he approached God humbly and obediently as a servant of the Lord. And he was rewarded for his meekness with a wise and understanding heart because that is what he asked for. Basically, the Lord was like, Solomon, like, you are such a good servant. Whatever you want, I will grant you because you are this humble, wonderful human that I love. And he said, Lord, make me wise. And the Lord made him wise. So if you've read Proverbs, that's a more well-known book of the Bible, it is like, like dripping with wisdom. Like it's just insane. Like you could learn everything you need to know about life in the book of Proverbs. Um, But anyways, he also wrote Song of Songs, which is like the romance book of the Bible. (laughs) So, um, okay. We've got our Bibles here and we're going to kind of go through Ecclesiastes in a more condensed way and kind of have some dialogue to it because this I think is one of the best places to go to in the Bible for this happiness versus joy discussion and you will see why. So we're gonna start with (laughs) everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them basically talking about how everything is fleeting and I didn't read the full this is chapter one of Ecclesiastes I kind of picked out some points from it that I thought were worth sharing and if you just heard that cracking that was Sam's back 
because <laughs> he can't sit still. <laughs> but yes, so it's talking about how everything is fleeting and it's reinforcing the fact that these earthly pleasures, whatever, even just earthly neutral things, they come and they go and it's kind of pointless, right? And this is a little bit more depressing on the depressing side, right? So we haven't got to the happy ending yet, but everything is meaningless. The next little bit he talks about wisdom is meaningless. And this is the most wise man in the Bible talking about how wisdom is meaningless. So that is also interesting. He said, I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. A lot of people debate that we were never meant to be as, I guess, knowledgeable it might be the right term, or as I, aware. I do think that goes right back to Genesis, where <laughs> Eve took a bite out of the fruit of knowledge. Yeah, the apple. <laughs> the apple. It, I think it goes right back to that. We weren't meant to have that sort of knowledge of everything. And look what we've turned it into. We've, we've got social media, right? Which... There's that whole little cons- my conspiracy theorists out there know like the little Apple logo on the <laughs> on the iPhone um, is like the Eve Apple whatever I don't know how tr- like true that is but um, the amount of knowledge we currently have about the world around us is one hundred one thousand percent overwhelming it is completely overwhelming you turn on the news that's overwhelming that steals your happiness of the moment right and the more you know the more weight of the world you have on your shoulders and it's like an attempt to steal your joy and sam this is why you're always like get off your phone get up please for the love of god Alyssa, get off your phone it's not even it's for your sake because i can see how it impacts you when you know you're plugged into everything The human brain is not meant to scroll through 50 different pieces of media and run through a cycle of emotions from happy to sad to grateful to envious to... You're not meant to see so many different things happening all at once when in reality you're sitting on your couch just hanging out. Like, you see your form as relaxation putting your brain in 50 different directions in 50 different other people's lives all at once. And now you're expected to have an opinion on every single matter of every single person of every single, you're not built or meant to understand or even process all this information, let alone be on top and up to date with all of it and remember all of it. When you're so plugged in, what you're really doing is tuning out from your own life and now your life is just the experiences of others instead of fixating on your own being and your own direction, your own choices. So it it can, there's a reason it can get overwhelming in that 
social media and stress are pretty highly correlated. Those moments of rest that you truly need, they've now pivoted to being filled by all these other emotions, whether they're happy or sad, whether they're anything else, it's you're not given time to reset. You're sitting on your couch firing off all these receptors in your brain to feel these emotions for situations in which you have no control over because it's a war happening overseas or it's the the political state of our own country or something horrible that happened in the next town over. And whereas you might probably find out about the more local incidents through word of mouth and the bigger incidents through word of mouth, the sheer volume of information that we are putting into our brains is like, it's insane. I, and I feel like I justify it too. And I am, so I'm off Instagram for the most part, aside aside from the two TP stuff and like two trees in a pod stuff. Um, and I'm on Facebook for my little business reasons, but I do still kind of catch myself scrolling sometimes. Um, but I have read it and <laughs> let's just say it might be more long form content, but it is still chaotic content. And yeah, it is, it is the same evil. I thought I could get away with YouTube on my phone. No, it's the same. It's the same bad that's being pumped into my brain and it's trying to steal my joy. And it's because one, I don't have self-control to get myself to stop looking at these things. So I just have to go cold turkey. And two, what is that noise? (laughs) Sounds like a tea kettle. There's like, so we're, anyway, (laughs) there's some weird noises happening. I think right outside our window right now. But anyways, back to social media stealing your joy it's like a really high-pitched ringing sound and this has to be like a prank but i am curious to see if we can hear this in the audio recording but we're gonna push through it even though it's kind of stealing our joy Um, it's stealing our happiness our joy is eternal true true (laughs) yeah it's definitely stealing my happiness right now but we'll be okay i think we'll that's the that's the lord telling us to stop talking about social media because we've already done enough of that on the previous episodes um anyways pleasures are meaningless (laughs) i'm sorry guys this noise okay um okay pleasures are meaningless i said to myself come now i will test you with pleasure to find out what is good but that also proved to be meaningless Laughter, I said, is madness, and what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Then he talks about undertaking great projects. He built houses and planted vineyards and made gardens and parks for the society around him, for his community. And then he says... I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I had surveyed what all my hands had done, all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, and nothing was gained under the sun. So... 
shifting over to the pleasures are meaningless conversation. This kind of like is where there might be more of a gray area on earth as to what you are feeling is happiness versus what you are feeling is joy. Because he's talking about doing good things for the community, right? Like he's building gardens and parks and like he's a king and he's doing these great services to the community. He's building homes. And after all that, even though he can see that it is good, it is still meaningless. And Sam, do you have any thoughts on this? Or we could honestly leave it here and bring this little bit back up later. I mean, when you look at it, it's he's consistent. He's like, this is meaningless. That is meaningless. And it's not to say that these aren't good things and that they're not beneficial things. But the, I think the point that's being gotten at is that when it comes to happiness and joy, none of these things will satisfy this pure joy that he's looking for. He might feel extremely happy when he builds this park or the, he helps these people. And those people might be extremely happy and very, you know, gracious. But in terms of joy, there's always going to be more things to accomplish. So what's the end goal? You can't have a concrete end goal or a task to complete that gives you joy because joy isn't a task. It's a state of being. Going off of that, toil is meaningless. He says, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things that I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who knows, to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Here Solomon's talking about, I can do all these great things on earth, but then the person who comes after me is just going to screw it all up. So it's literally pointless. Like, I'm a king. I'm going to institute all these good things in my community. But if the king that comes after me is bad, it does not mean anything. It is pointless. It is not worth my time because it will just all be destroyed. Again, very depressing point of view. <laughs> but this is like, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam. I think this is the first time in Ecclesiastes that he brings up God. And that's kind of where we're going with this, if you couldn't tell. But here you start seeing the little glimmer of hope in the story that God is a person who pleases God. He gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. And I think it's interesting how... He talks about how building all these riches for himself, even though he was doing good for his community, for his kingdom, I guess. I couldn't think of the word kingdom there. It didn't matter. And wealth doesn't matter, right? So, According to Solomon, nothing matters. Yeah, according to Solomon, it's quite hard to find something that matters. (laughs) But 
I like the next part. It's called A Time for Everything. It's chapter three. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil, for this is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him, also known as respect him or admire him or find like awe in him. I think fear is a word I can kind of get misconstrued there. Yeah, the connotation of fear is different in every single connotation. (laughs) Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before and God will call the past to account. So I like this one. I like this one a lot. So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring to them to see what will happen after them? I think this is kind of where he's found his reasoning in Ecclesiastes, where he's like, okay, well, if everything is meaningless, the best you can do is build your life up to be the best that it can be in the short time that you were given on this earth, regardless of what comes after you or regardless of um, what came before you. And follow God's plan, says... It is a gift from God that they might find satisfaction in all their toil. And he has set eternity in the human heart. The idea of eternity in the human heart, I feel like, is why so many of us, though we can be happy moment to moment, do feel this underlying sad because we're missing our piece of eternity. We're not with our creator or some people a lot of people don't know god at all and i do think that that's like a missing piece because eternity has been set in every human heart and when you do not have it when you do not see it or like obviously no one has it right now who's on earth but that's like missing a piece of your heart when you can't set your eyes on eternity so sam any thoughts that pretty much hits the nail on the head. It's uh, if everything is meaningless, then you should still be you're you know that there's more because you realize that everything right now is temporary. And if there wasn't something more, you wouldn't be longing for something more and you would find something that would satisfy you. You can't possibly have this feeling of longing for more unless there is something more. Absolutely. That's nicely put. Coming up next, riches are meaningless. (laughs) This might get a little redundant towards the end, but I do think it's important to kind of go through it. And I promise we're almost done. Um, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The, sh- the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun. 
wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. I forget which other chapter or which other book of the Bible that this one is in, but it talks about storing up treasures on earth versus storing up treasures in heaven and how when you store treasure on earth, those are the fleeting happy moments, right? Or the happy things or the whatever they might be, the pleasures that are, guess what, meaningless. Um, But treasures that you store in heaven will be there when you go to eternity, opposed to just the short time that we have here on earth. And if you've read any book in the Bible, you've probably come across the fact that God doesn't really like money. (laughs) Or the people who love money. And I wouldn't consider us well off by any means right now like (laughs) we we live in a modest apartment and make modest income and I find myself like always trying to want to do more and it's like a never-ending cycle because I know once I start making more money that's not gonna feel like enough it's gonna oh well we're doing well in the apartment well now we have more money why don't we have a house oh why don't we add this addition to the house why don't we do you know, actually, why don't we have a camper? Why why don't we go on these vacations? There's always going to be a next step if your goal is to accumulate wealth. So it's not God saying that money is evil. It's not saying that riches are bad. But when it becomes the goal to obtain temporary things and a temporary lifestyle when it's not eternity, your focus is in the wrong spot. Absolutely. I feel like I've caught myself feeling this way because a really huge goal for the two of us that we had is we've always like been together, right? But we wanted to move into a place where it was just the two of us and not with roommates. And well, you're like my permanent roommate and we have a cat who is a very bad, bad, bad roommate. But it is just, I guess, the three of us right now. And If you had told me two or three years ago that we had finally moved into our own place, I would have been completely overjoyed, right? Like, ecstatic. But here I am now. We've lived here not even a year, not even close to a year. We moved in at the end of June. And I'm like, we're never going to own a house in this market. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, well, if you rewind, it was, oh, we don't have to... No offense to any previous roommates. I loved all my previous roommates, but it's, well, now we have our own place, a place that we can call our own. And when you're fixated on, oh, well, there's a next step. There's always going to be a next step. The You find joy by being appreciative and grateful for the moment. It's okay to have next steps and goals in mind, but it's much more important to, you know, be at peace with where you are and with where you're headed. Absolutely. I can remember, like, if you had told me when I was 15 years old that I was going to play college volleyball, I would have been overjoyed. And then when I had 
the option to take a fifth year, I was like, this is this four these four years weren't enough. I need to do another year. And I'm so glad that I did it. But now I'm like, again, like that wasn't enough. <laughs> a lot of people are a little um I don't know the right word, but like I guess maybe confused as to why I keep like I still want to play because they know what it's like to be an athlete. <laughs> They're like, why do you still want to do that? But like it's this constant chasing, chasing. And one of the sections we didn't read was that advancement is meaningless. And so I like want to keep leveling up in volleyball, but like in reality, like, does that really mean anything in terms of like, if you've got a mindset on eternity is how much volleyball I play really gonna determine my position in heaven? Like what? Middle, middle in heaven. Yeah. I'll get like, I'll get mid major in heaven <laughs> because I played this much volleyball on earth, but Yeah. So, okay, shifting gears, I'm going through the Bible without any notes here, so there's a little bit of transition pains, but all right. A common destiny for all. This is chapter nine. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hands, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might for in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. All fish are caught in a cruel net or birds taken in a snare. So people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly on them. And this just kind of, <laughs> we're doing a lot. That here. was a lot. We're doing a lot here, right? That was a lot. Um, but we are all in this together is basically what I get out of that. Enjoy life with the people that you love for all of the days that God has given you. No one knows when their hour will come, which is why it is important to enjoy life, right? Like I always forget that that word is literally half joy. Enjoy, not in happy, enjoy life. Under the sun, to all the hours that God has given you. And finally, the main message of what we're trying to get across here through all of that is like the whole point of this, right? Okay, here we go. (laughs) You who are young, be happy while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. If you haven't already guessed, everything is meaningless except God. That is like 
the whole summation of the chapter. No matter the meaningless things of this world or the difficulties and hardship, there is purpose and peace for all and enduring hope and satisfaction when you walk with God. Joy is God-given. It is put into our hearts and souls because of our creator. Our creator created us this way. And if we are missing God, we are missing joy. We are missing out on joy. And because joy was put into our human hearts, if you don't have God, you can still feel it, but you can't feel it to the magnitude in which you were designed to on this earth unless you've got him. So any final thoughts on this section, Sam? Because this was quite loaded. (laughs) That was a very loaded section indeed, but you can kind of see, well, you see what happens when you seek joy and what happens when you seek happiness, and I think we've definitely distinguished the difference between the two. You can look at Solomon. He was seeking everything to bring himself happiness in the short term, but when he was doing this, he was neglecting God. This is the most wise man in all of history, and he was seeking everything possible to bring him happiness self-happiness and his conclusion was that everything is meaningless (laughs) he did absolutely everything to find happiness and he said everything was meaningless so look at that context he had everything he did everything and his conclusion was that it was all meaningless now why all has been heard here is the conclusion of the matter Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Our whole conclusion of this is very clearly stated. Fear God, aka regard him in all of respect and honor, and keep his commandments. This is our duty. This is what was written on our hearts when we were created, before we were formed in our mother's womb. This is like the key to joy, the key to eternal joy. It's literally written in a book that everyone in the country has access to. And like, I didn't read the book of Ecclesiastes until 2023. And I have been a Christian all my life and I've been missing out on the literal key to joy. (laughs) So like, come on. (laughs) So... We're going to talk a little bit about seeking joy. If that part two there of our episode was not enough for you, (laughs) don't worry, there's more. Um, Solomon was seeking all of these things to bring himself joy. He neglected God in the process. And until he remembered God and remembered to fear God and to keep his commandments and to do what God intended him to do, he could not find joy. He was neglecting God in the process of finding his pure happiness, pure joy. So how can we pivot from the pursuit of short-term things that are not joyful or uh, meaningless? Any thoughts? I, I mean, you started off with how do you pivot from the pursuit of these short-term things, that short-term happiness? you know that all of these things do come to an end. So before you stress or worry or have anxiety about something that is short-term, realize that it will come and it will go, but some things are eternal. And I think you find, you pivot to that mindset of joy when you're able to focus on what truly matters. 
that's God, that's your family, that's your relationships. When you pivot to this joy, it, it it's not ending. There is no end in sight for joy, which is why it's different than happiness. Happiness is short term. So I think pivoting to the long term things that there is no end in sight, that's how you can focus on pivoting from happiness to joy. Joy is also a choice because you choose to activate this joy in your heart when you choose to be a follower of Christ. When you choose to ask God to put Jesus into your heart and to bring the Holy Spirit into your body. And I think that is an active decision that you make. And I think something that's also worth talking about or touching on is that understanding the short-termness of the happy things is like, I guess, kind of eye-opening to the fact that like, it's okay when that happiness ends, right? Like, I can kind of feel sad when like a happy moment ends because I don't want it to end. I don't want that happiness, like that happy feeling to go away. But the reality is, I'm gonna say it, everything is meaningless. (laughs) So everything slips away and everything, like everything is fleeting. So I shouldn't feel anxious when things are fleeting because they're all meant to be fleeting. They're not eternity. They're earthly things. They're things that I have on this earth. I can't take them to heaven. So it should make me feel more calm. I, I think those things where, oh, my happiness is ending. I think pivoting from a mindset of, oh, this happy moment is ending to, I'm so grateful that this moment happened. I'm mm-hmm. so grateful I was able to experience that. You're now no longer looking through the lens of, oh, this thing I enjoy is ending. Instead, you're looking through the lens of, wow, I'm so happy I was able to do that thing. That's a memory I get to keep. That's an experience that I enjoyed and I'm grateful for. And you know what you can bring to heaven? Memories. (laughs) So I think that some things that might spike some joy in your life, if you feel like you might be too too much on the happiness pursuit of happiness side of things compared to the just level-headed joyfulness that comes with knowing God is um one talking to God or (laughs) worshiping God or praying to him and like if you've never prayed before it's just like a conversation with a friend and it's it doesn't have to be I guess, traditionally beautiful. Like, I've been in these settings where I've heard people pray out loud and I'm like, wow, if their prayers are like that, am I even going to make it to heaven? (laughs) Because, like, I'm not poetic like that at all. I don't feel that way. And, but talking to God really should just be like talking to somebody face to face. Like, the way you talk to your mom or best friend or partner, it doesn't have to be this super like you're on your knees and your hands are pressed together moment it can just be while you're in the car it can be while you're sitting in class or taking a trip to the bathroom during class or work or like it it doesn't have to look a certain way and prayer and setting an intention to pray just a little more than you already do or even try it for the first time because I was a Christian for quite a while without a prayer life a little bit of an oxymoron there um, pray. Another thing 
I find brings me joy here on earth is worshiping and that's listening to worship music and just like literally admiring my creator who has done all these incredible amazing things and is continuing to do these incredible amazing things and that I feel like ignites joy in my heart and my soul and it like fires me up for the day like I'll listen to like Sam and I play one of our songs of the week like in the morning when we're getting ready we play praise because it's like praise by elevation worship it is like our hype song <laughs> in the morning like brushing my teeth we're like let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. We wake up screaming. Yeah, we wake up <laughs> on fire for the Lord for the day. And it is like, <laughs> it's a little crazy looking from an outside perspective, but it brings us joy because we're starting our day worshiping like our Lord. And I think some more action things, if you're looking like you got the prayer life down, you got the worship thing down would be something I could be much better at, be outreach in your community or volunteering or taking up a new role that is in more of like a service side of things. If you've got the space for that in your life, because I know not everyone does, like I definitely have the space for it and I haven't made the space for it too. Um, Or just doing something small and going out of your way to be a little more selfless than you might usually be. And this can look so different for everyone. Like for me, I feel like it's making more of an effort to call my family because sometimes life gets so ahead of me and I, I forget and I shouldn't be going over a week without calling home, but I do. And that doesn't bring me joy, not <laughs> nurturing these relationships that I have because you can take certain relationships with you to heaven, I believe. You see people in heaven, right? So, Sam. So, right, like I have an answer. I've got no idea. Neither uh, <laughs> Nobody does, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm just seeking validation. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, would you like to close us out? Yeah. I mean, I hope that this talk was or is insightful for anybody listening as it was for us to kind of talk about. Um, on your life journey, your pursuit of joy, understanding that we will never be satisfied here on earth without our creator can be a very heavy reality, but will hopefully push us deeper into a relationship with him. One thing to remember is that happiness is fleeting and joy is eternal, and that's okay. It's okay that the happiness is fleeting. Joy is eternal, so when you pivot to that, life is even better than you already imagined. Next week on Two Trees in a Pod, we will be starting our mini-series on love with our first episode in the series, The Struggle of Modern Relationships. We know it's cliche to touch on love in February, but we're corny and just couldn't pass on the opportunity. You can expect four episodes in the series, each taking a deep dive into different subsections of love. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in and stay blessed. Have a good one.